Gibbons and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Five o'clock hour, Burns and Gambo here on Arizona Sports, live from the Auction Community Studios on this Thursday afternoon. Um, we went through the archives, and it was really the most recent soundbite we could find from Vance Joseph asked about being a head coach again in this league. This is nearly a year old now, this soundbite that I'm about to play. Is it that old? It's that, it's that, okay. that old. Vance Joseph was on with Wolf and Luke following the Week 6 victory over the Cleveland Browns last season. Remember, that was the yes. Cliff Kingsbury COVID game. Yep. He was in protocols. And they did really well. And Vance was the fill-in head coach, and they did really, really well. He was asked then by Wolf and Luke, would you like to be a head coach again in this league? Absolutely. You know, but right now, I mean, it's 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 week seven, you know, and my entire focus, guys, is on the Houston Texans this week, yeah. you know. And and the more we win, obviously, the harder it gets, you know. So, you know, right now my focus is strictly on winning. And, you know, those, those opportunities come from winning, you know. So if we don't win enough games, those things won't come, you know. So I understand that if I don't focus on that part, the second part won't happen. So, you know, absolutely, I want that chance again. But right now, my focus is on the Houston Texans and helping this team win its its seven game. Not necessarily that right. those opportunities right. come with winning because the Cardinals right. haven't won as many games as we had hoped. And yet, I'm looking at an article right now from Deadspin dot com, and the headline is very, it tells the whole story. Vance Joseph deserves another head coaching gig. Yeah, he does. That's I mean, the I headline thought, of the story. Yeah, he got an interview last year. Matter of fact, it was Miami. The Miami Dolphins had him in for an interview. I believe it was the only interview he had. But I believe Miami interviewed Vance. Um, I would expect after this year that he get listen. There's a lot of head coaches that have gotten second and third. Pete, Bill Belichick flopped in Cleveland. Okay, mm-hmm. he didn't do any good in Cleveland. He benched Bernie Kosar and uh, and and he and he lost his job. And now he's one of the best, he's the best coach in the history of the NFL. Pete Carroll, who you just talked about, how good Pete Carroll is. He flopped in with the with the New England Patriots mm-hmm. and the Jets. He wasn't any good. And so, but then he gets an opportunity with Seattle. A third opportunity, and he does really well. Doug Peterson with Jacksonville's right. a second-time head coach. Mike right. McCarthy with Dallas is a second-time head coach. I was talking about guys that didn't do well, right? Because Vance didn't do well in Denver. Pete Carroll didn't do well and then got fired. His losing record with the Jets, then was just okay with New little, England. It's a little deceiving with Pete Carroll, though, because he built a dynasty at USC. Or at least he he reinvented a dynasty. At right, USC. but he had to go away to do it. He did. Like he, he had did. to go away from the NFL for ten years and then come back to the NFL. But second chances, I mean, they do happen, right? Guys can get jobs again and advance. But that's where he might be. And, I, and again, I'm not trying to use his words from a year ago against him. But the Cardinals aren't winning games at like some unbelievable clip. They're they're doing okay. They're three and four. They're hanging in there. But did you gonna hold but, that against but see somebody but, hold that against Vance? But no, but that's my point. Vance is doing such a good job with that defense. And they're really I mean you think about it, they're underfunded. Uh, all the money's being spent on the offense. We've More chronicled it, yep. that many, many times. Yep. All the money, all the cap space, it's all going to the offense. They're underfunded. They're young. They're leaning on a lot of young players and they're kind of learning on the fly. Now they're highly drafted players 
regardless of their expectations that come with that. But let's be honest. I mean, we all know the deal. Nobody thought the Cardinals were going to be winning games this year because of their defense. Nobody thought the Cardinals were going to be in this, these games because of their defense. Well, Taylor Jones didn't replace him, had no pass rush to know of. They couldn't really address the cornerback situation. They tried uh, the unfortunate situation you know. with Gladney. Never really addressed that. So, yeah, there were a lot of concerns about the defense giving up 30 to 40 points a game and the offense having to score 50 to win. Yeah, We thought they'd have to win shootouts and they're winning games because they had defense. Yeah. Because of the job Vance has done. And I think there's something else, too, that's swung a little bit in favor of Vance Joseph. And I, and I would really be concerned about losing him if I'm the Cardinals this offseason. Like, he might really, especially if the numbers keep trending like this for the Cardinals defense. I, I think one of the bigger reasons, more than anything, I would worry about losing Vance is that I, I think teams are going to start to get away a little bit from the let's go hire the offensive guru. Let's go hire the great X's and O's guy. Let's go hire the great offensive mastermind to help us win games. I think that will always exist. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if the trend for coaching hires kind of swings back to not defensive guys, but leaders. Leaders. Go give me a leader. Leader of men. Go give me a guy who's just, man, 53 dudes will follow that guy through a brick wall. Go find me that guy. And I don't care whether he's a great schemer. Or I don't care if he's a this. I don't care if he's a that. I need to know that guys in the locker room will follow him. And that is Vance. That is way Vance. And so. I mean, every week we play Vance is well spoken. He's articulate. Uh, I mean, you could tell that he's just, that he's a leader. You could tell that Vance has leadership qualities. Now, it didn't work in Denver. That doesn't mean that he can't be a head coach again. Okay. He deserves an opportunity to be a head coach. I think he'll probably get an interview. Now, we we'll have to see how the season plays out, but I'd be surprised if he doesn't get another interview. He had one last year. Miami decided to talk to him. Now, there's the Rooney rule. We have to, you know, at least speak to one African-American coach. and um, But I think Vance deserves every opportunity to be a head coach again based on the job he's done here since he's been with the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, he's it's kind of like the Willie Green situation with the Suns a couple of years ago. I, I don't want to lose him. You know, right. I, I selfishly, right. you know, I'm not rooting against him getting another head coaching job, but I'd hate to see him go. I'd hate to see him end up somewhere else because I, he's been he's been fantastic for the fans has been unbelievably good for the Cardinals. I mean, really, he has considering that after his first year here, a lot of people there were some people gone. Him gone. We were like, no, just ride it out. Right, be fine. will be fine. They need continuity. Yes. They need consistency. Yeah, well, we they had to need... fight a lot of people. I was a lot of people. I get rid of Vance. He sucks. And, and Vance has done a great job. No, I don't want to lose him either. I, I don't. Listen, I think everybody knows if Cliff Kingsbury ever took a nosedive and they had to fire him, Vance would be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Oh. They've got their guy. I mean, there's no question about that. No question. But if Cliff does enough to keep his job, then it's very likely that you know that, that Vance is going to get interviews for whether he gets the job or not. I don't know. But he's at least going to get some interviews. It's funny that, that a week ago tonight, a week ago right now, the Cardinals were about to kick off against the New Orleans Saints. And I still believe to this day, that had they lost that game to New Orleans a week ago tonight, I don't think Vance would be the coach right now. But I, many by. I, I, I know, I get that. I still don't think they would have done it, but I would have bet a car payment that Vance Joseph would have been the head coach for the Cardinals at the end of the season. I would have bet a car payment that if they had lost that game last week to New Orleans, so they're two and they're two five, and five, oh. and the season is on, on the brink. Its way to nah, I don't even think it's on the brink. I think it's done. I think it's done at two and five. They go there. I would have bet a car payment that Vance Joseph would have been the Cardinals' head coach in the middle of January, and I feel really good about that. 
I don't have sources. I don't, you know, just a hunch, just gut feeling. I think they would have made a coaching change, and I think it would have been Vance. Now, if Vance goes somewhere else, we'll, you know, see what they do. But I, I hope he gets another shot. He deserves it. He's been great. He's been great. I don't, I don't, yeah, uh, to your point, right? you don't want to lose Vance Joseph, no. but you also want to see the guy have success and get an opportunity. But to his point, like he's not going to take a bad job and leave here for a bad job. You see, when you've had your first job and it doesn't work out, you're not going to jump at the, for the first guy that offers you. You're going to make sure you're in a good situation, you have a good team, you have a chance, good ownership, good GM that's going to give you a chance to succeed. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, if you counted out the Phoenix Suns, shame on you. Shame on you. That's next to the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. A definite trend we noticed here on the Burns and Gambo Show among the national media that covers the NBA. You notice trends. Oops. Our bad. Raro. What the Phoenix Suns? Up. Uh, what about that vibe? Uh, vibe? What about that vibe? Vibe seems like it's fine. Yeah. Peaked? Uh, maybe not so much. DeAndre Aiden problems, Jay Crowder problems, Robert Sarver problems, hell, Dallas Mavericks problems. I was too busy winning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so much for that. It's it's look, it's not been universal by any stretch, and I would imagine we might see more of it, but it's pretty obvious that after a three and one start, there's some people around the NBA and, and an article in particular that caught both of our attention today came coming from probasketballtalk.com, in which it it varies simply says, time to stop sleeping on the Phoenix Suns. By the time predictions for the coming season rolled around in October, the Suns were, this is and this is totally accurate, by the way, the Suns were almost an afterthought. Not bad, but barely discussed. That was a mistake, they write. Watching the Suns in person, it mm. quickly becomes clear this team is a title contender. This season, now, Again, I'm still waiting for Skip Clueless to like respond to his uh, his tweet where he says it sounds like Monty didn't want Da back and Da one didn't want to come back. I got news for Laker Nation: the Suns are about to set in the West. Now, why I saved that, but I did. He said the Suns are about to set in the West. Skip Clueless. And here we are in the Phoenix Suns. Three wins in four games, playing very, very well. And, uh, you know, all the talk earlier was was really about just, it was about the vibe. The Suns don't have a good vibe. There were articles that they're going to be one of the most disappointing teams in the NBA. And it, it just, they got out of the gates. They played well. There were issues. I mean, let's not say that there weren't. We were just trying to debate, like, which of those issues would do them in. I think me and you both kind of felt like the ownership thing, I don't think it'll be a distraction. I always thought that there was just too many levels of separation between the players and Robert for that to be an issue. So I really wasn't worried about that. But but I was worried about Jay Crowder. I, I was worried about D.A. and Monty not yeah. being on the same page. There were some things that I were worried about. Yeah, I mean, those are the two things I was worried about. We had Kellen in here earlier, Kellen Olson from ArizonaSports.com, and, and he brought up, and certainly rightfully so, just how it ended against Dallas. You know, how you take a 64-win team that was the best in the NBA all season, how can they look that bad against the Dallas Mavericks in Game 7? And I do yeah. think that a lot of people's kind of perception of the Suns, quite frankly, was was set by that. Was sort of, that was the tone that was set. Like, man, what, what's wrong with that team? What's wrong with that organization? How could you lose at home to the, I mean, nothing against the Mavs, but how could you lose at home to the Mavs that bad in a Game 7 when you're the best team 
in the NBA. None of it made sense. I think all of that added up. And I'll say this about the ownership. The only reason I was worried about the ownership was just in the sense of do they have the freedom and flexibility to go do the things they need to do during the season to make themselves better? You know, a Cam Johnson extension, a trade, bringing on salary, things like that, just making sure that the ownership situation doesn't limit them in any way. But but you take all those ingredients, right? Like anything that you're cooking, it's a, it's a little bit of Game 7 of the Mavs, it's a little bit of Sarver, it's a little bit of Jay, it's a little bit of DA and Monty, and you throw it in the pot, you cook it up, and you had this really negative, kind of narrative about them in the month of October. Like, okay, the vibe's wrong, and have they peaked, and I think they're going to step back, and they're not going to be as good. Well, of course they're not going to be as good. They won 64 games last year. They're not going to be better than that this year. But they year. also weren't going to be, like, I'm looking at this story right now that I had just, you know, I saved. You're really the a N- glutton for punishment saving these. The NBA's four most overrated teams entering the season, Phoenix Suns. And they were listed as one of them. This is a uh, Bleacher Report story, and mm-hmm. it says, you know, you know, the, the the most important pieces of the team are in place. Not hard to imagine them being a regular season wins machine again, but this is a mountain of bad vibes to overcome. And that's the thing. It's not hard to find breakdowns of the Phoenix Suns' bad vibes all over the Internet. The team has all but invited those pieces since they went up 2-1 against Dallas. So maybe some people felt like the Suns just had a really short window and it expired because Chris expired. Because Chris played so poorly like hey without Chris they're not gonna they're gonna go back to being what they were in the bubble you know they'll be you know that year in the bubble they're a good team but they're not gonna be a great team if Chris is if Chris's expiration date has been stamped yeah then maybe the Suns can't be great they don't have that that that, that dominant one-two punch at the guard spot anymore but as we've seen even with Chris not playing well book taking his game to another level and just having the right pieces around which James Jones has done a masterful job of putting this team together the Suns are Still very, very good. Now, it doesn't mean they're totally out of the woods, and it doesn't mean that even after a, a great start, they're not going to slow down a little bit. I mean, all of these things can happen. Let's not act like this. That, but but it, it's, it's very obvious that people were very quick, too quick, to dismiss this team and what they were capable of this year. And certainly when you had conversations about who are the best teams in the NBA, who are the teams that can contend for a title this year, nobody was talking about the Suns. Nobody. And maybe they weren't picked to be in the finals. And in, in I remember us, you know, we send emails to each other. Hey, here's another list of teams that are picked to be in a final. Nobody's picking the Suns. Nope. Nobody you saw all. Denver. You saw Golden State. So the Clippers. A lot the of Clippers, Clippers. But there was no Suns. Yeah. Those were the three. Western Conference and the Warriors, a couple of Warriors too. Those are the four Western Conference teams you saw mentioned the most. You just didn't see a lot of the Suns. He just, he just didn't, you know. And, and of course, in the East, you got your usual kind of contenders there, and the Bucks and the Celtics and the Nets, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Ryan Rosillo uh, from the Ringer Network on his podcast last night saying uh, kind of the same thing. Hey, despite all the narrative, man, don't kid yourself. The Suns are still really, really good. I felt like I was the only one. I know I'm not the only one. So I'm not, this is not a victory lap, but I guess I'm just surprised how many people thought like people were just going to be off of Phoenix. I get it. That Mavs loss, I still don't understand it. I don't know what the f- happened. They were 64 and 18 last year. So even if they're depressed and bummed out and take a step back and maybe have one injury, they're still winning 50 plus games. Like, there's just no way. That's the thing. Is like, even, he's right, 64 wins when you set the bar that high, you're 
bound to go backwards a little bit, yeah. right? I mean, you're just—they're not winning 64 games again this year. They—they they, even if they—they they win 54, that's still a great season. Well, that's 10 less games than they won a year ago, right? That so it's that's that kind of regression is bound to happen, but that doesn't mean they're a lesser basketball team or that they have a less chance of winning the title. I mean, again, long season, long way to go, but it has been really interesting to see the national media kind of go. Okay, on second thought, let's put the Suns there the top our power rankings, and let's and if we're being honest about it, a lot of it so far is about Devin Booker, and I mean we can talk about the bench and yeah, James Jones, the the architect putting it all together. Devin Booker is off to the kind of start that at least so far kind of nullifies the whole one-two punch thing, and and instead this is and we were talking again with Kellen about this earlier. This is his team. It's not their team in him and CP3. It is Devin Booker's team. There's no, we're not having any more conversations with Ramona about which of those two are getting the MVP votes. votes. Right, or the all-star votes. Or MVP votes. We know who's getting the MVP votes on the Suns Uh, this year. No debate now. It was for the first two years. It was very close between uh, Book and Chris. But now Book Book has elevated his game and Chris is slipping. October 6th, three weeks ago. Three weeks ago. Zach Lowe's annual NBA tiers. You remember this? Ranking the league's best and worst teams. I do. The inner circle. These are the teams he thought were the best teams in the league. Warriors, Bucks, Clippers, Celtics, Sixers, Nuggets. That's it. The Suns didn't make the list. And he even said the surprise here might be the Sixers and the Nuggets over the Suns. He took the Sixers and the Nuggets over the Suns. What's the Sixers' I, records this year? Uh, one and four. One and four, the Sixers. Yeah. So he says the Suns are likely a C-level shooter in Crowder. With uh, The Suns likely replacing a C-level shooter in Crowder with an A-plus-1 in Cam. So he talked about the Suns, but he didn't, have, he didn't have them in the West. He didn't have them as one of the elite teams. He took one, two, three, four, five, six teams, and he didn't put the Suns in there. Now, could that be because they lost to Australia in a preseason game by whatever they got beat? They were favored by 100, and they lost to Australia, Adelaide, 36ers, whatever it is. I don't know. But I think a lot of people looked at the the way they lost to the Mavs, the crowd situation, the DA, the Monic. You put it all together, and that's why it was obvious that there were a lot of people that were just down on the Suns. Because it wasn't one thing. It was a combination of a lot of things, including that preseason loss to Australia. Yeah. I still remember like that that happened on a Sunday. Um, during the football season, and we're like, okay, I know we need to talk about the Cardinals game. We gotta talk about that Suns game for yeah. a minute. You know, like I don't. Whoever talks about an NBA preseason game on a Big Red Monday, we had to. We felt like we right. had to because they lost to the. But it, you know, they're off to a great start. I'm glad to see everybody is rethinking what they thought about the Phoenix Suns. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, we're hoping you can help us with something here on Burns and Gambo. We're trying to find offense, not just with the. Cardinals, like around the entire NFL. We'll go looking for it next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Tampa Bay knocking on the door of trying to score a touchdown. They're f- oh, they just scored? No. Oh, you're ahead, of, go. you're ahead of my feed. Uh, we got a commercial. Huh? Yeah, uh, man, 
My feed's behind. Leonard Fournette just scored a one-yard touchdown. It's 7-3, or it's going to be pending the point after. He has not been good this year. No, he has not. He has not. He's he's right in line with everything about that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Nothing's been good. Uh, 6-3 pending the point after Tampa Bay has just taken the lead over the Baltimore Ravens on Thursday night football. Of course, everybody will be watching this game tonight to see... The Buccaneers can get their offense back on track. We'll all be watching to see on Sunday if the Cardinals can get theirs back. You know, like to me, root for Baltimore in this game. Like a Ravens win helps the Cardinals. Keep the Bucks down. Keep the pack down. You'll let these teams loose. Who's got Buffalo this week? The Packers? Yeah. Packers got Buffalo this week. Let them loose. Absolutely. Let the Ravens win this game. And, you know, give the Cardinals a chance to move past these teams. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got no, no argument here from me. The Cardinals are, like a lot of teams in the NFL, trying to figure out what happened to their offense. Now, maybe DeAndre Hopkins being back fixes everything, and we don't talk about this three weeks from now. I mean, maybe it's that simple. The conversation but- that shall remain... Nameless? I don't know. Kyler yesterday was asked the question about if he thinks, if he's got a reason why the offense has dropped a little bit across the NFL. Maybe defenses are, you know, a lot of too high, a lot of, you know, shell coverage and stuff like that, making people check the ball down, take the underneath stuff, which I know we've had to deal with that. Um... I think I would do the same if I, you know, if I was a defensive coordinator, kind of a, a bend but don't break type of mentality. Make these, you know, all these. There's so many great athletes on offense, so many great players in today's league, so competitive that um, I think you know it's tough to put guys in you know situations where they're playing man or um, where they can get beat. So yeah, I would, yeah, I, I, uh, I would probably do the same. Across the league, offenses are scoring an average of about 20 to 21 points per game. That's the lowest number since 2017. Wow. The Cardinals themselves, through seven games, are scoring nearly 10 points fewer per game than they had at this point What do you think that is? Do you think that is them, or do you think that's just the the tendencies of the league? Um, I think... I don't want to go combination of both. It's got to be one or the other. I think it's more... I think it's more the first seven games of last year. You had healthy Kyler, healthy DeAndre. And the first seven games of this year, you had healthy Kyler, but you had no healthy DeAndre. Yeah, I think so, too. I think, I, I so think too. at the end of the day, that's, I mean. I still think this offense, when, when everybody's healthy, I think this offense can be dynamic. Kyler's got to play to that level, and he hasn't. Yeah. Kyler took a step back. He regressed. How many times have we used the word regressed the first few weeks? He's regressed. He's not seeing things. He's not playing well. He's got happy feet. He's a, he's afraid of the rush. Like, I think a lot of it's on Kyler, but I, I don't think it's the league. I think it's this offense is set up to be successful, and they just haven't been. They were, look, I mean, they were humming last year. They were the first seven games of the season when they were averaging 32 points per game they were they were they had no problem scoring points they had no problems finishing drives they looked like they had arrived offensively then Kyler gets hurt then D-Hop gets hurt then the injuries start to pile up they try to recreate it with Zach Ertz but it's not quite the same the rest of the season I'm not saying now that D-Hop's back everything's going to be fine and the Cardinals are going to start start scoring 32 points a game like they were at their peak but I, I certainly if it's if it's you're asking me to blame Offenses being down around the league or specifically blame what's going on with the Cardinals. I'm going to blame what's going on with the Cardinals and say it's a D-hop thing more than anything. I think he means that much to what they do. I think he's that important to yeah. what they do. No, I think shouldn't, we learned that. We didn't want it to be. Shouldn't be that way. I don't want it to be that way. Right. If they would have came out last week against New Orleans and not had those three touchdown drives, those three nice touchdown drives, and their offense struggled and they lose the game, Hopkins, you know, maybe people would have said, well, you need to give, give Hopkins more time to get into the 
the flow. Um, but I, I, maybe not. Maybe they're like, man, this offense is just broken. Cliff got give up the play calling. Like you would have, the offense yeah. is just broken. Hobbins comes back, he has 10 catches for 100 yards, and they have three nice scoring drives. So, yeah, I do think a lot of it's very de- dependent and reliant on DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I, I'm telling you, maybe more than anything else, the one metric, the one number I might look at more than anything else with the Cardinals moving forward now that they got hot back, Cardinals are 28th in the NFL on third downs. That's got to get better. Is it that bad? It's that bad. That's we, why they've got to go for so many fourth downs. We, we talked about, we talked this, about yeah. that a couple they days ago. They've got to go for a lot of fourth downs. Yeah, like, it, like hey, isn't it so great that their third. fourth down conversion is so... No, it's terrible that their fourth down conversion is great. They have to go for it so often because they keep screwing it up on third down. They, 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 Four first and second to make it third and long. Why are in so many third and eight, third and ten penalties, third and fifteen? Why are they in so many long situations? You want a third and two, third and three, third and four because then you can either run or pass. When you're in third and long, nobody's expecting you to run the football. Yeah, there's a belief that around the NFL, part of the reason why offense is down and that number I mentioned 20 to 21 points per game so far uh, per team per game is the lowest in five years a lot of people think and I was listening to Wolf earlier and he very eloquently kind of painted this picture defensive coordinators around the league have kind of figured it out and they figured out that the key right now to winning in today's offensive minded NFL is keep all the big plays in front of you don't give up the big stuff don't give up the chunk stuff How many stories have we read coming out of Minnesota this week? Minnesota's offense. Hey, it's good. Boy, they'd sure like to get the big play back. Boy, they'd sure like to find those explosive plays. They're they're not good at it. One 300-yard passing game this year. And three games where they totaled 100 yards rushing. So they're 5-1. But they're not like running the ball that well. They've had three games with a hundred yards. So that's three games where they didn't even have a hundred yards rushing. And it's not, they're not, it's not like they're lighting it up. They've had one 300 yard passing game. And if you look at their offense, it's kind of middle of the pack in most categories. It's nothing yep. special. Nope. They no, it's win, not. they win because they get great field position because they have great special teams. They're winning because they have the best starting field position in the NFL because they're winning the special teams. They're winning the takeover, the turnover margin. Yep. They're winning that. They don't and they don't commit penalties. They don't commit any penalties. Yep. No, it's the the little basic stuff that they do really well. Because no, their offense isn't blowing anybody away. And like I say, they're read the quotes from Kevin O'Connell. Read the quotes from Kirk Cousins. Man, they're talking about the same stuff up there. They're talking about how yeah, everyone's taking the deep stuff away from us. We have to settle for the underneath stuff. We really want to get some explosive plays back. How do we do that? That's that's why kind of Cliff was talking yesterday about we're all trying to figure it out right now across the league. I don't have an answer on that. I mean, a couple of those guys are still putting up big numbers. Um, but, yeah, overall, I think offensively a lot of teams aren't playing as well as they'd like, and everybody's trying to figure it out. So let's see. Let's see what the return of T-Hop does. I think we all know it's going to be better. It's just to what degree. You know, is it going to be better? And then and then if that's how it's going to be, man, protecting DeAndre Hopkins as much as you possibly can, because if it really is a they-go-as-he-goes kind of thing, you can't afford to have him miss more games or lose more games or or be hurt because if he's really that important, you're screwed the minute he's not on the field. Well, the good thing is that that suspension had nothing to do with an injury, right? So that's good for him. He's healthy. Like, he's even more healthy than... He should be more healthy than most people for missing six games. Yeah. Like, he should be, you know, really good. Like, it's almost like he's on the Vikings right now with no injuries. No, he he should be raring to go. You're not asking him to play a 17-game season. You're asking DeAndre Hopkins to play 11 games. Well, and then the other thing, too. and I, It's like a college season for him. I'm kind of excited about this. 
I want to see Robbie Anderson in this offense. Oh, me too. Me too. I want to see because you want that big play, and yeah. he can give you that big play. I, he, the speed, the size. I, I think if used correctly, that I mean, that's not even counting when Hollywood Brown comes back. We're still a few weeks away from that. I think as a one-two punch, that's a pretty nice complimentary wide receiver to DeAndre Hopkins on the other side of the field because of his size, because of his strength. I'm. Kind of low-key excited to see what he brings when he's out there he now that he's a little with, more indoctrinated into the offense. He was good with the Jets. He was a Matt Rule guy. Got to Carolina. Played well. But, you know, when Rule went down, obviously him and Wilkes got into it on the sideline. And Wilkes sent them off. And then they traded him the next day to the Cardinals. The Cardinals didn't give up a, a first or a second-day pick for him. So, yeah, there's a guy with a lot of talent, good speed, good size. And now two guys with size. Let's see if they use it to their advantage. I Te- like him. Texas, your thoughts. The FanDuel text line. It is open for you right now. You can always text us throughout the show at 620-620 here on the Burns and Gambo Show. As it stands right now, if you can believe it, we're just about halfway through the NFL season. Who are the teams with the best chance to win it all in the NFL? Do any of them play in the NFC? That's next. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Burns and Gambo. What's on tonight? There's actually a bunch on tonight. Right now, Thursday night football on Amazon Prime, and it's still 7-3 with about 30 seconds to go in the first quarter of that game. The Bucks have the lead over the Baltimore Ravens. Right now, the Buccaneers looking at a third and 12 as they're knocking on the door of scoring another touchdown. So that's on tonight. You've actually got um, Pac-12 college football on tonight. 14th ranked Utah taking on Washington State tonight. Ooh, in a rare Thursday night game on FS1. Yeah. If that's your jam. You got that, and then a whole bunch of games. Well, not a whole bunch of games. A few games in the NBA to keep an eye on tonight. Mavs-Nets, and I haven't seen the score of that one, although you showed me a shot of Ben Simmons attempting a layup, and oh it looked really God. bad. Yeah, a little scoop shot, and he just like completely aired it. It's, oh. It was really bad. They're at halftime. <laughs> Dallas is beating the Nets 61-59. Uh, you got the, man, the Thunder are beating the Clippers 39-32. It's early in the game. It's like eight minutes to go in the second quarter there. Later tonight, Miami taking on Golden State. Memphis taking on Sacramento. Um, and then, of course, well, tomorrow we got a ton going on. Tomorrow, and I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it. Tomorrow we're going to be at Mullet Arena in Tempe on the campus of ASU. Um... The Coyotes home opener tomorrow against the Winnipeg Jets. You and I are going to be down there doing the show. I saw the pictures of where we're going to be doing the show from. Yes. Um, it's, I think it's going to be it's going to be really cool. It's going to be a different environment. It's going to be really small. I mean, it's just going to, it's going to, we're going to walk in and I guarantee you we're going to be like, man, they're going to play no, just, NHL hockey in this building for three, maybe four years. Can't wait to see what the atmosphere will be like, too. With the fans and just how crazy it is, is it going to be a GCU type atmosphere? Like with the with the basketball program, is it going to be that crazy and rabid? And you know, but the you know the other thing is the tickets. I mean, ticket prices are, are very very high. They're very high. So does that take out a lot of those fans that would just go crazy? I don't know. We'll see. I'm looking forward to watching it tomorrow. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. So we'll be down there tomorrow. And uh, if you're coming to the game, I, I know not a lot of people are, but if you're coming to the game, come by and see us as we'll be there. Um, we will be there. 
there up until, what, 6.30. We've got bonus burns and Gambo. So that's coming up tomorrow night. And, of course, Suns, Pelicans tomorrow, World Series Game 1 oh, starting finally, tomorrow. Finally. Goes. It feels like forever since the championship series ended. I know. Did you see? Um, I talked to uh, Merrill Kelly. He's going to, like, Game 2. Oh, is he? Yes. With Merrill Kelly earlier today from the D backs. He's uh, his brother. What was he telling me? He's, uh, his brother's birthday is that day. He's a huge Phillies fan. So he's going Monday. He's going to go Monday to the game. Wow. Um, seven teams with a shot to win the Super Bowl. Seems a little early to be asking this question. The Does Minnesota- it? We're halfway through the season I after know. this next game. You know, it's just, it's just, I, see, it's I think early's over now. We're eight games through the season I, after this I week. I know, but man, we just, we just got, we spent half the show talking about who's fake and who's real, right? I know. And but, now I'm supposed to pick a Super Bowl champion out of a bunch of teams, half of whom I think are fake. Right. I half the com- season is over. I, I, I hear you, but I just, I, you know, like the Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings made this list. They're not going to win a Super Bowl. I don't think so they're either. They're not going to win a So let's not put them on this list just because they're five and one. They're not winning the Super Bowl right now. Look, I, I can't even open the link, so I don't even know what other seven teams are on the list. Oh, okay. Um, I, I would guess. I mean, I'll, I'll take a guess. I'll take a guess who's on the list. I mean, of course, Kansas City and Buffalo. They're going to be on the list. Um, let's see. Who else? The Eagles are going to be on the list. The Giants, I presume, are on the list. The Cowboys, are presume, are on okay, the you list. Ready? Yeah, go ahead. Give it to oh, me. wait. Hold on. Do I have it? So yeah, the link you sent me wasn't the right link. Did I not? I didn't send my side. You didn't send the right I tried to open the link, and I'm like, this is the wrong link. Gambo wow. Put in so, wow. So seven teams with two. Okay. Let's guess who the seven teams are. Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Giants, Cowboys. That's five. We know... The, the I got it here. Oh, you got it? Did you find it? I got it here. I All sent right. you the wrong link. Give it to me. Bills. Okay. Eagles. Okay. Chiefs. Okay. Cowboys. Okay. Bengals. Bengals. Okay. Ravens. And Vikings. No Giants. No Tampa no Jets, Bay. No, Tampa no Green Bay. Bay. No Giants. No Jets. No Seattle. So the only team they're buying out of the, you know, we've talked a lot about the Jets, are they for real? The Giants, are they for real? Minnesota, Seattle. The only one out of that group they're buying is, is the Vikings. That's the only one. They're still buying the Ravens and the Bengals, but they're also buying the Chiefs and the, and, uh, and the Bills. So four teams in the AFC. The NFC, the teams they're buying are the Eagles, the Cowboys, two from the NFC East, and then the only other one is the Vikings. Not, not anybody, not the Rams, Nobody not the 49ers. The Nobody they're, from the bu- they're buying the, this is CBS uh, Sports. They're buying the Vikings over the Rams, the 49ers, the Bucks, the Packers, because they're five and one start. It's an interesting list. I, I, I would never put the Vikings on that list. I'm sorry. I just, who wouldn't. would you have put on, who, who would you have put on that list in the NFC? Who I think can win the Super Bowl? Yeah, NFC teams. I would have just done a list. Here's two teams that can win the NFC. Who can win the Super Bowl? Buffalo and Kansas City. End of story. Well, that's what I was going to say. This might be the year, you know, where you say you take the take two I, I, and I get take the field. Two, field, two teams, and you get the field. Yeah, like this might be the. You know, I'm you know me. I'm always a field guy. I'm always give me the field. Right. This might be the year where I wouldn't take the field. This might be the year where I'd say it's Kansas City or Buffalo because everybody else just seems it's so. Just, they're so good, those two teams. Like, those two teams are so good. Um, I think the Dallas Cowboys are legit. I think they belong on this list. I think the Eagles obviously are legit. They belong on the list. Um, who else would I put? 
on there. I I don't know if I'd put anybody else from the NFC, honestly. I think it might just be the Eagles or the Cowboys. Really, honestly, that, that are capable of winning a just Super Bowl. Just the two teams in the NFC. I, I just, what about the 49ers? You kind of still love the 49ers. I like them to win the division. I, I just feel like they're, that Jimmy Garoppolo is just not right. good enough. I, I mean, he's, he's better than Trey Lance in the regular season because you know you can win games with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a okay. competent quarterback. Okay, follow me here. Okay. Brady, Brady and Rodgers are out, right? Right. Okay. Who's what court? Who's the quarterback that's going to be in the Super Bowl in the NFC? <laughs> Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott. Jimmy Garoppolo. Like Kirk who's, Cousins. <laughs> I'm saying, like, if you don't believe in Tampa and you don't believe in Green Bay, you're taking Rodgers and Brady out of the mix. Who's the guy in the NFC? Who's the guy in the NFC that's going to be playing against the, Allen or Mahomes? You're trying to make the case for Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm making a case for any of those him. guys. This, this could be one of those years where Rex Grossman's in the damn Super Bowl. <laughs> this could be that year. This could be the year where you've just got, you know what? Brady and, and Rodgers aren't the same. They're not good enough. You're, you're, you could have a first-time guy. Dak would be a first-time guy. Jalen would be a first-time guy. You know, Kirk Cousins would be a first-time guy in a Super Bowl. Like, if you yeah. take out the two mainstays, what are you left with? I just think this is going to be one of those years where the way the standings look now and the way the standings look at the end, I think it's going to be very different. I really do. I, I, I think I think a lot of these teams that are on top right now aren't going to be on top at the end. And I'm, I'm specifically thinking of the Vikings. And I'm specifically thinking of the New York Giants. I, I just don't think those two teams, right. you know. So, yeah, this could be one of those wide-open years. Sure. Right. Daniel Jones in the Super Bowl? It's possible. The NFC is that bad. The NFC is that thin. Kyle Murray? It's going to do it for us. Uh, maybe. We're out of here. The Big Red Rage is next with Marco Wilson. We'll see you tomorrow at Straight Up 2 o'clock. Have a great night, everyone. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.